Welcome to the Wally World podcast in March. This is part two. So our first episode in March, we had a local guy named Travis Bender who won the Lake Sinclair Made Madness Walleye Tournament. And for today, we'll have Drake Hurd, who is a national touring pro who fishes the National Walleye Tour. Now, Drake's a great guy. He's the owner of Renegade Outdoor Innovations and Renegade Manufacturing. He's a great angler. He's done very well. Drake placed second place in the inaugural Champions Tour event on Mille Lacs Lake. And on the National Walleye Tour Championship, which is the Super Bowl of walleye fishing, he placed sixth place, so he did great. Very knowledgeable angler and has a lot of different perspective that I believe that us guys out east in Michigan, Ohio, and anywhere else that you fish for walleye can learn a little bit from. So I'm excited to have him on the line. So we'll give him a call in a second. Um, Lake St. Clair Walleye Association has some cool things coming up. On March 20th, we have Bob Llewellyn of Worldwide Marine insurance underwriters coming to speak at our event and educate anglers and boaters about insurance needs for their watercraft. So definitely check that out. If you go to the Lake St. Clair Walleye Association Facebook page, you can get more information. It'll be good times. In a few short weeks, Michigan Walleye Tour Detroit River will kick off. And I am beyond excited because this is my first time fishing a Michigan Walleye Tour and, and first step in taking the journey of fishing more competitive events. And one thing I'll say is that if you have a dream and you work hard for something, it can happen. This season, I'm fortunate to be working with some great companies that believe in me. Offshore Tackle, Lama Glass Rods, Renegade Outdoor Innovations, and Beef Jerky Outlet in Dundee, Michigan. I look forward to building my relationship and partnerships with these companies, and, and they've been great to me, and they've been great to the club. Quite a few of them have already given back to the Lake St. Clair Walleye Association in some ways, and um, they're behind me, and they're behind the club as well, so I'm really excited. Speaking of beef jerky, one thing that I'm going to do is if you're recording live with me for the Walleye World podcast, I'll have samples of beef jerky. So if you want to check out some jerky, talk about some of the flavors because they have over 100 varieties, not to mention some other things at Beef Jerky Outlet. But uh, definitely going to have some free samples. And also, I expect that there may be some samples coming to our Lake St. Clair Walleye Association board meetings and maybe some general membership meetings. So It'll be cool. They have tons of different flavors, and you can check them out if you're going to uh, Ohio Waters on Lake Erie, passing by Cabela's. They're right by the Cabela's on Facebook, Beef Jerky Outlet Dundee, or at www.dundeejerky.com. Without the companies I partner with and the Lake St. Clair Walleye Association, I couldn't do what I do. I mean, I got a newborn at home, and I got a regular full-time job, and it's not easy to pursue time off and, and pre-fish these events, then fish the tournaments, and then I have other obligations. I volunteer my time with Lake St. Clair Walleye Association. It probably takes me anywhere between four to eight hours to put out every episode on the Walleye World podcast. And I'm just a one-man show, but I can't do it without them. I'm excited to kick off the season. I'm excited to be on the water, see my friends that I've met through fishing local events over the past few years and I'm also excited to continue to build my friendships with guys I've met uh, fishing national events and it's just going to be a good time you know the ice is melting the docks are starting to open up and people are having opportunities to go out and fish okay with all that said we're going to go ahead and transition to the interview with Drake now Drake was gracious to give us some time on the way traveling back from the Minnesota Muskie Expo and I got a few minutes of his time to talk about the National Walleye Tour, some of his goals, open water tactics, and some other great pointers walleye anglers across the United States can take advantage of. So stay tuned.
Cool. So on the second edition of the March Walleye World podcast, we have Drake Hurd. He's a professional angler, fishes the National Walleye Tour. He's pretty involved in the fishing industry and is making some big moves. We're going to get to know him a little bit and some of the things that he's got going on. So Drake, tell us a little bit about yourself and walk us through where your passion for fishing started. Yeah, absolutely. You know, happy to be on here, guys. Um, you know, I grew up in central Minnesota, um, basically on the shores in Alexandria, Minnesota. Um, I was fortunate enough, my parents lived on the lake, and me and my brother basically got a 14-horse, uh, 14-foot crest liner with a 9.9 kicker motor, and that's where we grew up fishing on, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been fishing, you know, kind of all my life off the dock, and my passion just kind of grew throughout the whole thing and doing tournament fishing and whatnot. And it grew to where I thought, you know what, I want to do something in the industry. And that's when I started manufacturing lures um, for companies all over the world, basically. Um, they would ask us to do leadhead jigs or twister tail grubs or inject some crankbaits for them, whatever it may be. We would just grab other avenues so that I could stay in the fishing industry. You know, that's where my true passion was. And then obviously over the last, you know, whatever year, we've launched the Renegade Outdoor Innovations with the custom painting type of stuff, you know, um, that you're starting to see out there. So we didn't want to just be like every other custom painter out there. We wanted to try to be different. Um, Obviously, we have the soft plastics, um, which is definitely different than anyone else out there. And then, you know, our crankbaits and stuff, we don't really do too many bright, gaudy colors. Um, maybe that's at fault a little bit, but we like the more naturalistic colors, the purples and, and greens and, and natural stuff. Um, you know, that's what we're really going to push. You know what I mean? Sure. So, yeah. yeah. So I've, I've been loading up my tackle box with some of your stuff, Drake, and, uh, I've been able to run some of this stuff on Lake St. Clair. Um, I've talked about it in other podcasts, but the Flicker Minnow size nine in your custom Renegade Outdoor Innovations perch has just been awesome for busting walleyes out of weeds on that lake and looking forward yep. to running some of your bandits and stuff. I've run your pink craw on Lake Erie on the Western Basin, and that's been an ace in the hole for me. So, yeah, yep. definitely those natural patterns are something unique and different I haven't seen from other companies, and I'm excited to run more of them, and we're looking forward to seeing more of what you guys got going on. So Renegade Outdoor Innovations is your, like, custom house. Well, what's going to be kind of funny is it's actually Renegade Manufacturing okay. is my my main business. My wife gets mad at me because we'll start talking about both companies, and she does all the book work for them, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> she gets, well, is it for ROI or is it for Renegade? You know, it's kind of funny. So it's Renegade Manufacturing is where we manufacture, okay. and then Renegade Outdoor Innovations is the customs one. What led you to decide yep. to pursue a career in the fishing industry and fishing at the professional level? Yeah, so I got my very first, and I remember this plain as day like it happened yesterday. My first tournament was a northern tournament at the local bar in Alexandria, and it was a <laughs> six-fish northern limit, you know? Yeah. Um, I was seven, eight years old, and me and my dad took second place, and I thought, you know, I'm the king of the world here. <laughs> you know, I, I just... You know, this is a little bar tournament. We maybe won 100 bucks. My dad probably took all of it, you know, gave me a pop <laughs> and some candy. Yep. But I was happy, you know what I mean? So as soon as I could start fishing more and more walleye tournaments with me, you know, my dad really, you know, that was our father-son time, I tell people. You know what I mean? It, it was our time that we could get away from everything and we could just go fishing. You know, it, I was very spoiled that way. And so then 
you know, going into it, I started guiding a little bit and, and everything. And I'm like, you know what? I want to step up to bigger. So that was when AIM, and it's still big right now, like AIM Wisconsin, AIM Minnesota, the weekend series. Yep. Um, I stepped up to that. And me and my dad did very well for, you know, two years, uh, three years, whatever it was um, in that circuit. And that's when he, you know, I told my dad, I still remember this too, is I want to step up and and be a pro. And I could tell he was bummed out because we weren't going to get to fish together. But at the same time, you know, he knew it was kind of coming. And so, you know, that was just the natural progression. So I, I stepped up to that. And he still travels with me, you know, it's, it's still awesome. He travels as a co-angler. He's still there for the, you know, the seven or eight days that we're there uh, prior to a tournament and stuff. So it's still great. It's still our father's son time. Um, But that's kind of just, I just, I don't know. I get that empty pit in my stomach every time I go for a tournament, you know, it's just that drive to do better, you know? Yeah. You know, every tournament, I know you, every tournament angler gets it. You know, if you're really into it, you get it. You know what I mean? And it's just, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. You that can't drive to do better. Yeah. You can't describe it. That adrenaline rush right before uh, takeoff and just the idea of competing and what the day's going to bring you. And, uh, I can relate yeah. to part of your story, you know, um, a lot of what I do, and I'm just kind of getting started into fishing more competitive events myself, but the local tournaments yeah. I fish with my dad and. I wouldn't trade that experience for the world, and I hope that one day when my son's older, I can do the same for him. And uh, it's something cool, and I, I want to continue to pass that on to my sons. I know you got a couple kids, and yeah. hopefully they're picking up some things from you with your passion for the sport. Yeah, and I mean, they'll – they'll. It, it, it's funny because it's almost harder. Like when it was just me and my wife, for me to go away on a tournament was no big deal. Like, yeah, I'll see you later, honey, you know. Yep. But now that I got Hudson, who's three – and Porter is 10 months. I mean, Hudson sits in the boats for hours and hours with me, you know, just organizing stuff and hanging out with me, you know, and you could tell that he loves to fish, you know, mm-hmm. um, he, he wants to go as soon as I get back from a tournament, I'll be shot, but guess what? He wants to go fishing. So that's <laughs> what we're going to do. We're going to go fishing, you know, and it's, it's just so fun to see that in his eyes. And I know you being a new dad, you're going to start to see that you know, more and more. It's so cool. Can't wait. I saw a post on social media the other day of uh, Hudson helping you out load up some of those new Lou reels and the rods you had set up. So that's an exciting new partnership for you and some of the guys you work with, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, Berkeley is, is, I mean, Berkeley and Rappel are huge companies, obviously, in the walleye market. And Strike King definitely stepped up to the plate and Lou's, who are owned by the same company, uh, to try to crack into this walleye market, you know, and they've got some really cool things that are coming down the line. Um, you know, whether it be rods or reels or crankbaits or, or soft plastics, you know, they, they really, when we had our summit, you know, they sat down with all, I think there's eight of us yep. and we really got to talk to these guys about what we felt, you know, was missing in the market or what we thought, you know, that we've had success with. Um, so I think they're really going to step up to the plate and hopefully help a lot of the walleye anglers out in the northern states, you know. Yeah, that'd be good. Hopefully to see some of that stuff in Michigan, too. I remember my yeah. first serious rod and reel combo besides, like, a, you know, Snoopy Pool was a lose yeah. combo. I think it was called a lose yeah. laser, and that's kind of how the yeah. addiction started for me, fishing more serious with artificial baits and uh, yeah. fond memories. Yep. 
yeah, it's it's great. And, you know, they're a huge powerhouse down south and stuff. Everyone knows them, but they're just not that well-known up north. And that's where we're hoping to help. And they've got a great brand, and hopefully we can grow it, you know. Yeah, well, they picked some good guys on the pro side. Congratulations on that. And um, kind of talking a little bit more about the tournament stuff that you're involved with, I want to ask a question for you, and maybe you need some time to think about it, maybe you don't, but name three things which changed your mindset on how you approach new bodies of water that you've learned just from fishing the tours. Yeah. Um, That's that's an interesting question in itself. I'll say stepping up. There's number one, you're going to find out no matter where you are or how big you think the water is, these guys are going to go as far as they need to go to catch big fish. Yep. You know, when, when we went to Sakakawea, for example, they went 120 miles. I thought there was no <laughs> way they're going to be able to go 120 miles one way, turn catch fish, turn around and come back. And they did it two days in a row. You know, I just, so that's the one thing that I've realized. The second thing is probably just, have confidence whatever your strengths are whether it's trolling crankbaits or spinners or or pitching jigs or you know whatever your strength is you know play to that and have confidence in what you're doing when you go to these tournaments if you're like on the fence like well should i do this or should i do that well you're going to struggle i've found you know Mm -hmm. if you just set your mind you know this is what i'm going to do this is how i'm going to do it and if it goes it goes if it doesn't it doesn't you know yeah um and then the third thing, ooh, three things. I yeah. got two. Now <laughs> yep. I got to find a third. Um, you know, I, I've heard it a few times. One time, my brother said it. I think Kevin Van Dam said it, and someone else said it. You're gonna lose in this sport more than anything, um, and you got to learn to be a good loser. Mm-hmm. Um, you. you you go into these events, everyone wants to win. If you don't want to win, don't even try to show up. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you go there, you don't do well, at least you learn you learn something from your mistakes or the event or, you know, whatever it may be. As long as you're learning constantly, constantly soaking stuff in, um, you know, you're going to be successful at it eventually. You know, you just keep grinding away, grinding away, picking up tips here or there, and then eventually, you know, it's going to turn into a win here or there, you know? Mm-hmm. For so sure. That would that would be my three tips. You know, they can go as they're going to do anything and everything. You know, and and, and those other two. So. <laughs> For sure. So a couple things I was thinking about. One thing that kind of opened my mind up, and I've mostly fished Michigan my entire life, right? That's where I'm from, Southeast yep. Michigan. Yep. But um, right. I fished with a good friend of yours for National Walleye Tour Bay City, Robert. And um, yep. we were we were driving out, and he, he looks at some of these Michigan boats, local boats. He says, is it a Michigan thing to have all your rods sticking up? I'm like, it's kind of a silly question, yeah. but it made yeah. me think. You know, there are things yep. that people in every state and every region do a little bit different, right? And we all have our yep. mindsets, and we all have our particular ways of approaching things and organization systems. I mean, there's definitely differences with rod limits over there, right? And, you know, yep. I'm, a, I'm a big offshore tackle person. I love running their planer boards and all their products Absolutely. for my trolling needs. Um, yep. Is there any resistance that you found with any people in Minnesota to kind of understanding and utilizing those products on the water? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, I'm a big offshore tackle guy, too. Obviously, they have some of the best stuff out there. Um, I think it's more so just educating people on the whole deal. Mm-hmm. You know, most guys just want to go out and throw a shad wrap over the side of the boat, put it in the rod holder and go. Well, if they just 
use a, a simple offshore board or, or whatever it may be just to get it out a little bit away from the boat, yep. how many more fish they would catch, you know? So it's just, when you go to all these places, you try to educate people as much as you can, you know, like for example, like sh- like shivering, for example, or jig wrapping. We did that in Minnesota long before anyone else did around the country. I believe it. And now, like, for example, we went to Huron last year. You, I mean, you were there. Yep. Um, people are like there's no way casters are going to do any damage in this thing well like the top five places were all casters you yeah. know so i'm it, all these guys and it's it's what's interesting is all these guys bring their different uh techniques from different areas to these lakes you know and, and they work mm-hmm. you know so it kind of goes back to you know play to your strengths and stuff um and, and, and it's gonna pay off at some point you know yeah so kind of going back to my earlier comment, um, and I, I've talked about this with another angler that I've had on the podcast before, but it seems like yep. there's like a Michigan mindset. We're used to trolling big bodies of water, great lakes. Some inland lakes are pretty darn big here too. But um, there's kind of a newer interest in the casting stuff, and I've been kind yep. of watching some of the things that go on out west and see you guys do it for many, many years, much yep. more frequently too. Um, yep. And I believe that you guys have a more, I don't know how I say it, more uh, structure-focused technique and approach yep. to things. And I could be wrong, but maybe that plays into a reason why you run a tiller, right? So there's not many guys on the National Walleye Tour that I can think of that are about yep. the tiller life and run the tiller. So tell us yep. about why you're a tiller guy and why that plays into your strengths. Yeah, um, you're right. There is either one of two or one of three of us basically on the tour that, that run tillers. Um, but you're, I mean, you nailed it on the head. Basically it's, it's a structure thing when it's windy and I got a hold on a little point, you know, and we can only use one line. I'm going to be backing into those waves and I don't care how big they are. I can hold there versus a guy that's going forward. Um, it's trying to hold on that spot. Eventually his trolling motor is just going to bounce out of the water and he can't hold there, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I get asked probably more than anything, you know, why do you still run a tiller on tour? So I can, you know, I, I can put a 250 on the back of my tiller and a lot of people like, look like a 250. Well, that's what I use when I'm on tour. You know, they just, they can't believe it. You know, and I'm going 60 miles an hour in a tiller. Um, but it, it's just how I grew up. I like the space that I have when I'm in the boat, whether I'm pulling planer boards or, you know, casting, whatever it may be. Um, you know, I just like my open space and floor plan, and, and, and I think it just gives me more confidence. Again, I keep going back to the, the confidence thing. You know, the more confidence you can get in yourself, um, I think the better off you're going to be. You yeah. It, one thing you said earlier in the podcast is uh, you grew up and you started on a tiller, and I think a lot of fond memories for many anglers all across the Midwest and the country started in smaller boats with tillers and some of my best memories, even a couple of years ago, just being out on the water in my brother-in-law's tiller boat we call yep. Punisher. And there's something special about what yep. exactly what you said. The tiller's more space. And then for that back trolling application, there's definitely some utility in that too. So, Yeah, that's, and it's funny. Like You come to tournaments in Minnesota, and it's literally like 50-50, a wheel boat versus tillers. You okay. Know? But it, it's, it's so different everywhere else. Yeah. And so much of the Michigan stuff, we're just – all councils yeah exactly it, it's and like i said i get asked more people come and look at my boat and they just look at that 250 and they're just like unbelievable <laughs> you know so how long have you been with warrior boats um 
I have been with them. Oof, now you're going to date me a little bit. I think eight or nine years I've been with Warrior. Okay. Um, boats. I, I've, I owned actually a, a Ranger 620 Tiller before that. Mm-hmm. Um, then I loved, had a 115 Yamaha, and then I stepped up to Warrior and could put the 250s on. That was a big thing. So. Yeah, so you're saying you're able to get 60 miles an hour with your current Warrior with that 250? Yes, basically, yeah. <laughs> when I'm cooking, yeah. That's ridiculous. Um, and yep. I would imagine, just because I'm familiar somewhat with the hull on that boat, that you're able to yep. crush big water, and it isn't a problem. Yeah, it's, it's funny. that, And no one will believe me unless they actually ride with me, but that 2090 Warrior actually cuts waves really well because it's fairly skinny. Um and it cuts waves, and we actually beat a, a lot of wheelboats to spots because of it, I think. <laughs> no <laughs> kidding. Funny. Is that the yeah. same hole that Robert Cardenas runs? Um, it's a, Yes and no. It's a little different, but it's pretty close, yeah. Okay. What are some yep. of your goals for the 2019 season coming up here with the National Walleye Tour? So, obviously, going in um, to the 2019 season, I have a few goals. Um, one, obviously, would be to win a tournament. Um, that's obviously a goal of everyone's, um, going in, but I, I think over the last two years, I've really gained a lot of knowledge where I, I can actually start to do some damage in this circuit. Yeah. Um, and then two obviously would be into the battle and the angler of the year, um, you know, for the 2019 season, I was there for the first two tournaments kind of last year. And then I really struggled at devil's lake and that took me out of it, but then I did well at, at Lake of the woods. So you know, you got to have against these guys, you got to have, you know, basically nine good days of fishing throughout the whole, whole season. You can't take a day off or they'll bury you. You yep. know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I look at Brett King last year, he, you know, one, one took third and took, you know, 20th and he still had to battle to the very last day to even get angler of the year last year, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's obviously a goal of mine. And then, um, obviously we have the TV side of things where we're trying, I'm trying to show as much as possible we can to the fans basically around the Midwest or out East or wherever it may be in the fishing or the walleye market of yep. what, um, you know, what it's like to be on tour. We're going to launch that stuff here in the next week or so. It'll be on FSN and YouTube and, and all over the place. Um, but I want to show more people. I, I want to show as many people as I can what it's like to be on tour, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that hopefully people can enjoy it and maybe get into it more or whatever it may be, you know, share that passion. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing that stuff. I know you guys pour your heart and soul and everything you do with multimedia stuff. And, um, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it on social media. I don't think we get Fox sports North here in Michigan, but social media yeah. is definitely a good way for people that are outside of that broadcast market to check it out. Right. Yeah. And we're going to, you know, it's basically a five part series where we're going to, it's, you see us, you know, behind the scenes, you see us out on the water. It's a little bit of everything because it's not just all fishing when we're on these things. I mean, it's like a second family to most of us, you know, we're a lot, we're away a lot from our real families and and it becomes a second family to a lot of these guys. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds exciting, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing it myself. Check it out. I'm sure you can get it on Fish Addictions TV on their Facebook page, and I'm sure they'll be yep. posting it on Finn Outdoor Media. Yeah, it'll be on both of those. Yep, we're going to try to share it all over the place as much as we possibly can. Cool. Yeah, I think that's going to do a lot more for the uh, the people that are kind of half in, half out about checking out one of these events, the Proco-style 
uh, tournaments that tour across the country, and and maybe it'll stir some uh, more people to get involved and take a, a step out of their comfort zone to check these out. I did that for the first time this year, fishing National Walleye Tour, and I don't regret it. I learned so much, and, and you make a yep. lot of good connections in the walleye world. Oh, it's, it's huge. It's, I mean, it's it's awesome, the friends that you meet. I mean, we're all competitive. We're all, you know, friends in the end, but when we're on the water, you just learn so much from these guys, you know, and obviously Robert got to be with you at, at uh, Saginaw and stuff, and, and hopefully he got showed you a few things, you know. Learned a ton from him. Yeah. So, good and now, stuff. And now, now you're doing another one, right? I yeah. I mean, that's... I'm fired up so, for it. Yeah, so I'll be fishing uh, Sault Ste. Marie, and, and uh, from what I understand, Robert's normal traveling co isn't able to come, so I'm going to jump in the boat and learn more, spend some time on the water with him, learn how you guys do things, and should just yeah. be a good time. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're looking forward to it. I've never been up to Sault Ste. Marie. Um, Robert's been there a few times. I think Mike's been there once. So, I mean, it'll be new water and stuff, and, and I'm excited to get up there for that one, too. Yeah, it's uh, God's country there, and it's absolutely beautiful. And kind of why we're on the topic of kind of pro-co-style tournaments, from yep. your perspective as a professional angler, what do pro-anglers look for in a co-angler when fishing a pro-co format? Yeah, um, basically, um, you know, it's, it's so hard because I, I just want a guy that's in there that's willing to listen. You know, um, yeah, a lot of these co's could, I mean, fish as a pro or they or they – you know, are very good anglers, mm -hmm. um, but there's certain ways that I may do something, and there's a reason I'm doing it that way. Um, so, you know, as long as they're they're open-minded and they're willing to learn, I mean, that I think that's the biggest thing. You know, you might do something one way at, at your place, and it works great. That's great. But we're there for seven days trying to figure this out. Yeah. Um, so that would be one of my biggest things is, you know, be willing to have an open mind, listen to your pro, um, but, but at the same time, feel free to ask questions. You know what I mean? I don't mind when they ask questions. It's, it's good conversation. It keeps me a, a little bit relaxed. Um, you know, if we're having a conversation on the water throughout the day, you know, we're in it together and, and if we can be talking and you're, you know, asking questions, I feel like you're engaged. Yeah. Um, and you're knowing what's going on. You're, you're feeling the bite or, you know, whatever it may be watching the boards or whatever. Oh, very good. And num number two, don't bring a banana ever. <laughs> That's a yes. sin. No matter where you go, no matter yeah, what state, yeah. any water. Exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, Drake, uh, you had a really great finish at the inaugural Champions Tour walleye event, and uh, you were doing something that not a lot of people do in Michigan, at least to my knowledge. Kind of explain yep. some of your technique and approach to dissect water and, and get you up way up at the top at second place for that event yeah so what was kind of cool about that event is you could catch as many walleyes as you could throughout the day and you got to weigh everyone so if you caught five fish or you caught 500 fish um you got to weigh as many as you could um so pre-fishing was a little different you were just trying to find schools of fish schools of active fish so what I was actually doing was taking my tiller and I was driving around at, you know, three and a half, four miles an hour. And when I would mark fish, um, whether it be, you know, three, four fish, which I knew were smaller fish, um, if there's a little school of them, they're technically, you know, one to two pounders. But if there's one big arc, it was generally a big fish. Mm -hmm. um, so what I would do is I would just drive around with these marks and with my panoptics, I could tell if it was on the right side or the left side of the boat. 
And I would literally, as soon as I'd mark a fish, I'd slam it in reverse. I'd throw my jigging wrap back towards them, and I, I would pump it once or twice, and I would either have the fish or it would be gone. Um, and at one point, I, I threw back, you know, ten times, and I had nine fish. Um, you know, when you're just you're, when you're on it, you're on it. You know what I mean? Um, so what I was actually doing was was focusing. There's a real long rock finger that stuck out into the lake, and then it kind of dropped into a deep hole. Well, what I was doing was just going around the edge of that hole where it was kind of like a hard bottom, yep. and that's where these fish were just laying down there, and, and I had it all to myself, um, basically the whole time. So that I mean, it was it was just one of those days where you're just on it the whole time, and and it you know it did well for me. All right, Drake. So one thing I heard that you did is that when you were riding around at three to four miles an hour looking for fish on your Garmin unit, you were trying to find these fish, and then you mentioned that you'd stop and you'd, you'd pop it in reverse real quick and then swing it out and uh, launch that uh, jig and wrap to a certain area. Were you trying to target the wake that you just kicked up as a reference point for where those fish were? Yeah. So basically, I would drive over those fish. I'd mark them. While I'd slam it in reverse is because a lot of times with jigging wraps, I want them to be as vertical as possible. Jigging wraps seem to work better when they're vertical versus a shiver minnow will work better when it's, you know, casted and works back in, I think. That's mm-hmm. maybe personal opinion. But so I wanted that jigging wrap to be most natural. And I, as I drove over those fish, if I would at least just like hang over them for a second, then I felt like I could work that bait the way I wanted it to work. Um, so I thought that was super important. And even sometimes if I would drive over, I would slam it in reverse and start to go backwards even a little bit, just oh, okay. so I could make sure that I was as vertical as possible. So you weren't bombing casts with those jigging wraps more or no. less. You were trying to get that, uh, straight under vertical if possible. Yep. When you drive over something with your pan optics, it's, it's pretty wicked stuff. You know, like I knew it was either on the left side of my boat or the right side of my boat. And I even know if it was five or 10 or 15 feet. Wow. Which side of the boat. So, I mean, I would literally just make little pitches, five, ten foot pitches to these fish. Um, and literally, I'd pump it once or twice, and I either had them or I didn't. <laughs> I <laughs> no mean, kidding. It was, it was pretty crazy. Did you find that a certain size of those jigging wraps work better than another for that event? Yeah. So, I, I almost always run a number nine jigging wrap or a number three shiver it's very seldom that i will step down to a two or a seven jigging wrap mm-hmm. um and, and I, it may be part of my fault i don't know um but i just have so much confidence in those two sizes um that i almost always stick with those sizes no kidding. So I know a lot of people have their own opinions and preferences for line types. And um, yep. if I follow correctly, I saw you when you were on the next bite with Gary Parsons, and you ran a lot of six-pound, 100% fluorocarbon from Berkeley. Is that something that you use yep. for that uh, jigging wrap technique as well? Yeah. Um, people, <laughs> I it, it's funny. I get so many people ask me if that's what I was actually doing because everyone seems to be using a lot of power pros or, you know, suffix or whatever your fire line is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm a big believer in that a hundred percent fluorocarbon. Um, I just, I like that give that it gives me, but yet it's still, it's not mono. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's, it's a little stiffer, you know, so I can yeah. feel more. Um, and I, I, I don't know. People are, it's, I'll be honest, it's a pain to use. 
I mean, I go through a ton of line after a week of fishing lot that 100% fluorocarbon. It's shot. <laughs> I mean, it's so it just poof right off the spool. It's a pain, but I feel like I get more bites because the lighter the line you can use for a jigging wrap or a shiver minnow, the better off you're going to be. Um, like at Devils, for example, I had to step up to 30-pound uh, Power Pro for Devils Lake because there's so many snags. And I wanted, I mean, you would, you sometimes you wouldn't even get a pump and you'd lose your, your jigging wrap, you know? Wow, okay. Um, so... In that tournament, I, I mean, we were catching them on chicken rats, but I really struggled because I, I didn't think I could get that six pound, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that six pound, hundred percent fluorocarbon is one of the keys that I like and, and I have so much confidence in it. Hmm. Yeah. You'd mentioned that to me and that's something I'm going to try this season on our home body of water out this way in Michigan, uh, Lake St. Clair. Yep. And have you been able to apply the same concepts and techniques to say basin fishing whether it's mud flats sand flats or even kind of on the edges of weed beds yep i i i have found that as long as here's where i think i struggle like i can do that power fishing i've been able to kind of do it everywhere where it really struggles is when you get into real muddy basin stuff okay um i i think those fish can't track those baits as good because they're zipping by and zipping around so fast. Mm-hmm. But if you can find any sand or harder bottom or, or, you know, anything that allows them like rock or something that they can track that bait at least for a second or two, um, you're going to be just fine. But if, it, if it's real muddy, real mucky bottom, it, it, it's tough to get those fish to bite it. Okay. In that instance, you would try a different approach, and what would you recommend? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't figured that out yet. Um, you know, uh, jigging, wrapping, and shivering, it's just so different. And and the one thing that I have had a little success with would be blowing blowing a crankbait by their face as fast as you could, you know, on lead core or, or a snap weight or a guppy, you know, mm. whatever it may be. Um, but I haven't, I don't have that answer yet. Ask me, like, someday and I'll maybe have an answer for that one, but... It's so different from everything else. You know what I mean? Sure. I'll try in a couple months. Maybe you'll have the answer. So um. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you can figure out if someone, maybe someone, one of your listeners has a great, you know, answer to that, I'd be all ears. Yep. Because uh, it, it would it would really help me. Gladly, gladly take that info. So question for you. Um, I mean, I know it works out here and one of the popular crankbaits for pretty much any season, any time of the year. And I know that you make some customs with Renegade Outdoor Innovations, uh, Bandit Walleye Deeps. I mean, that's a dominant crankbait anywhere you go in Michigan. Is that gaining traction in Minnesota or do many guys use those at all? Um, I know we briefly talked about this, you know, a few months back and is it starting to get more popular? Yes. We're, What's funny is, like, Lake of the Woods, for example, I don't think there is a bandit within probably, you know, 25, 30, 40 miles of Lake of the Woods prior to everyone getting there. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of the guys use between those and tail dancers is what a lot of us use to catch our fish. So um, it's starting to pick up more, I would think, in the Minnesotas. Um, in the Dakotas, you don't hear about it. So it, it, is it getting bigger? Yes, but it's like casting for example out there you yeah. know you know a lot of people don't do it it's getting bigger yes but you know can it grow absolutely yeah 
So how about Smithwick Perfect Tens? That's a big popular cold water um, kind of um, fall bait and early spring yeah. out here, just barely trolling those super slow. Is that something used out west? Um, I would say more so guys will cast those, um, but they cast them at like river malls and stuff like that. Yep. Um, you know, you're not going to see a ton of trolling in Minnesota in particular just because of the one rod thing. Yeah. Um, but in the Dakotas and Wisconsin, absolutely. I mean, those baits are deadly, um, whether you cast them or you troll them um, to catch walleyes. For sure. So if you had to pick one bait that you guys do at Renegade as your favorite, whether it's a, a color pattern or just a bait profile type, what would that be? Yep. Oh, that's a good question. We make a lot of different colors and stuff. So um, I would say, honestly, um, I'm most proud of either our spot tail shiner. Um, I catch a lot of fish on our spot tail shiner or the perch one. I mean, mm-hmm. most walleyes in the, you know, the Midwest, East, you know, out in Montana, you know, Washington, they, they eat perch. I mean, that's their forage. Um, so the better perch you can get, I think the better off you're going to be. Um, and then we use a ton of spot tail shiners around in Minnesota. And, and when we go on in these areas, you know, everything kind of has this, something that resembles a shiner or an alewife or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think ours imitates the best, you know. Yeah. I can't wait to run some of the baits I have in spot tail shiner on Lake Erie. And yeah. hopefully in a couple weeks here, once all the ice melts out of the boat launches, uh, Erie's starting to open up and. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's starting to. And same with the south end of Lake St. Clair. I mean, uh, it's getting a little bit warmer this weekend. It'll, I think, get up to 60 on uh, Sunday, I want to say. And then this next coming week, it's going to warm up quite a bit. So as soon as that's opened up, I'm taking my little aluminum boat. I'm going straight out there. Oh, that'll be good. That'll be good. I wish we got, like, three feet of snow and then, like, two feet of slush and then, like, three feet of ice. So it's going to be a while before we get to bring our boats out anyways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what's your big walleye lake out there for if you want to target trophy-sized walleyes? Um, you know, Malax is, is one of the closest. Uh, for me, it's only about an hour and a half from my house. Um, but there's so many different. I mean, we have Leech Lake is only two hours from us. That's a great one, too. Um, and then you obviously have Lake of the Woods, which is a big fish factory, too. So any of those three, I mean, I like and I love to, like, fish when I'm going for big ones. Those are where I'm going to lean on. For sure. So the last question I have for you for the podcast is uh, what's one or two things you would say to someone that's uh, learning more about being a better angler? There's kind of two different ways. Um, I would say one would be definitely try the co-angler thing. I mean, you're, you're going to learn so much. You're going to be kind of around the tournaments. So you can kind of see how they operate. Um, but then also there's the local clubs. I mean, obviously your, your guys' club, I'm sure you guys are always looking for new members. Yeah. Those are great ways. I mean, you guys have get-togethers, I'm sure. Those are great ways. It, even in, like, our area, we have a Tuesday night league. You know, it's low pressure. It, it's husbands and wives you know, sons and daughters, you know, whatever it may be, but get into a few of those events, go to a meeting or, or whatever it may be and, and, and start listening. Um, obviously you're going to get a wide range of people, everyone who hasn't fished a walleye to the, the pro angler. Um, and I would say just listen as much as you can watch as many, um, YouTube videos, listen to as many podcasts as you can whenever you get time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's a, that's a big wide answer, but that's a great way to get started in the whole tournament fishing thing. 
Yeah, I think that covers it. I mean, there's tons of resources out there, and, and we definitely appreciate your perspective on things. And, uh, you know, if you want something bad enough, it can it can happen. I mean, you work hard for things, and um, there's tons of resources out there. So those are good things. Yep. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's funny. You know, we, we go to all these events, and I can tell you I scrape and scrounge for every Google ad on, or for anything on Winnebago going into the event. <laughs> any tip or anything that I can find, you know, YouTube or whatever, or an article wrote by, you know, whoever back in the day, I'll still read it. You know, there's so yeah. much information out there at our fingertips now going into these tournaments. Yeah, and <laughs> I'll say it. I think there's no shame in looking around for any of information on uh, Facebook forums, anything, and any bit of knowledge to help you approach water more efficiently or learn and, and yep. kind of grow your bags of tricks is something advantageous. So at any level, you know, you're hearing yep. it from a national pro like Drake, and then you know I'm I'm small potatoes, but I do the exact same thing. I want to learn as much as possible, and there's resources out there for everyone. So guys that are listening from Michigan or anywhere else, there's always new perspectives and new ways to grow as anglers. And you know it's important to not get kind of stuck in the same mindset and comfort zone, whether you're uh, a Michigan guy, a Lake Erie guy, or a guy out west. There's always something that we can learn from someone, and that's something we value on this podcast. So Drake, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, absolutely. If anyone's ever got any questions or anything, you know, feel free to message Rob or, or myself. You know, I'll, I'll gladly answer as many questions as I can. Um, you know, don't be afraid to, to ask questions because that's that's how you're going to learn as much as possible. I appreciate everything, Rob, and uh, looking forward to talking to you here in the near future. For sure. For sure.